listening to the Living Room North Living Room North Living Room North podcast. We are in a series um, called Living the Dream, and this is week three. And if you've been following along, we have been going through the life of Joseph. And we went through the first and the second week. And so if you've been journeying with us, you find so much stuff that Joseph have, have went through. And I'm going to go through that in just a little bit, but I want to bring you all up to speed for where we're at. So if you already know just where we might be today, I'm just going to ask you for about 120 seconds to just give me while I bring everybody else who may be here for the first time or missed some of the last weeks up to speed. Is that all right? Listen, I come from a predominantly black church, so I'm going to need y'all to speak back to me. Is that all right? That's right. Awesome. Well, listen, so the first week we talked about Joseph and how he came from about, I think he's one of 12 siblings, one of 12. So they was really getting it on um, really well back in those days. And they're all guys, all boy, all, all boy siblings. And Joseph wasn't just one of 12. He also was his father's favorite son. How many of y'all have siblings and you know that your parent, that's their, your parent's favorite? Everybody raise a hand. And how many of you are that favorite? Okay, yeah, okay, so all of y'all are Joseph's in here. So Joseph was the favorite son and his brothers, all 11 of them hated him. You know how your parents teach you like, hey, let's not say hate, let's say strongly dislike. No, they hated Joseph guts. And I'm not sure if they hated Joseph because Jacob, their father, loved him so much so, or it was something that Joseph done, had did or done, um, but they just didn't like him. And so one day Joseph goes to sleep in a good slumber, I would like to say, and he has a dream. Now, we all have dreams ever so often, but he had a God dream. And some of you are probably looking at me really strange right now because you're like, God speaks through dreams? Well, you probably don't hear that a lot now in today's time, but back then, that's how God spoke to his people. Back then, that's how he was talking to them through their dreams. And God gave Joseph this incredible dream that one day he was going to be a leader and he was going to rule all over the world and the earth and that his brothers were going to one day bow down to him. The brothers that hate him was going to one day bow down to him. And so he felt so ecstatic. He was so geeked about the dream that God gave him that he naively went to his brothers that are haters and told them about his dream, that one day he was gonna be leader and king and everyone was gonna bow down to him, including them. So did y'all think that, he li- that, they, that, that, that they liked hearing about that dream at all? No, right? They hated it and that just made them hate Joseph even more. And so they plotted to kill Joseph, like literally kill him. They didn't care that they shared the same blood. They didn't care that they came from the same family. They didn't like him so much so that they wanted to kill him. And so they plotted to do that. But then one of the brothers, he goes, hey, 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 bro, let's, let's not go that far. Let's not kill Joseph. Let's not kill him because he's our brother. And all of us, if we were there, we were probably thinking like, yeah, that makes sense. Let's, let's not kill our brother. But then they look at him and they're like probably thinking like, what side are you on? He was like, wait, 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 I have a better plan. 
what if we threw them into a pit and then sold them off to slavery? Because that's so much better than killing them. And they all loved that and they looked at each other and agreed. So they kidnapped their brother Joseph, threw him into a pit and then sold him into slavery. And then the second week we found out that as he was in slavery, he was going to Egypt. And in Egypt, he made himself, he found himself at a palace which Pharaoh was over. He was the king of that time. And he was then became the attendant to Mr. Potiphar. So Joseph was thrown into slavery, now ended up in Egypt at a, pilot, at a palace, and now he is the attendant to Mr. Po- to Mr. Potiphar, who is one of the high chiefs to Pharaoh. So he was a big uh, time Egyptian guy with a lot of money. And Joseph found favor with, with Mr. Potiphar. And so Mr. Potiphar had him in charge of his house, in charge of all of his possessions because he trusted Joseph that much. And then we find out that Mrs. Potiphar had a little hot cakes in her pants. And so she comes up and I would assume in my mind, maybe she has some lingerie on. <laughs> maybe it's a little see-through with the legs showing. I don't know what she did, but she came up to the brother and she told him, come sleep with me. And he probably was appalled, like, what? <laughs> no, abs- are you, maybe, maybe not. No, like, let me run away, you know? He probably thought about it for a second, but then he scurried away and she grabbed some of his uh, clothes and ripped them. And she was so mad that Joseph didn't fall for the temptation. So she went to her husband, Mr. Potiphar, and said, look, Joseph tried to sleep with me. She turned the story all around on Joseph and Mr. Potiphar, the one that loved Joseph and and Joseph was one of his best attendants, he sent him to jail because he believed his wife, just like any of us probably would do if someone that we love told us a story like that. And so that's where we pick up here where Joseph is in jail in Genesis 29. And it says this, if you have your Bible, we're gonna be going through a ton of scripture. I will always tell you to make sure you don't just listen to the communicator up on stage. Make sure you go home and that you, you actually read it for yourself to see maybe if you can come up with some other things that maybe God wants to speak to you. But in Genesis 29, 20 and 23, it says, but while Joseph was there in the prison, the Lord was with him. He showed him kindness and granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden. So the warden put Joseph in charge of all those he held in the prison, and he was made responsible for all that was done there. The warden paid no attention to anything under Joseph's care because the Lord was with Joseph and gave him success wherever he did and whatever he did. The Lord was with him and gave him success in whatever He did. Now, this is a point where we want to kind of jot down. So if you're taking notes, you might want to take notes on this. And that is wherever Joseph was, whatever Joseph did and got his hands to, he became successful in it. And it's not because Joseph had the juice. How many of y'all watch those memes of like who got the juice or who got the sauce? And we know that sauce is better than juice, right? So it's not because he had the juice or the sauce. It was because the Lord was with him. It wasn't anything special that Joseph necessarily did. It was only the fact that the Lord was with Joseph and the warden when he was in jail just gave him 
to be in charge of all the other, other prisoners. So then the next day, two guys get pulled inside the jail. They go to the warden. The warden then says, hey, you guys are assigned to Joseph. And these two guys came from the palace. Mind you, the jail is underneath the palace. So it's not that far. And the two guys that went to the jail is uh, the chief cupbearer to Pharaoh and the chief baker. Now, just for a little context, the chief cupbearer was the one who, uh, to, who watched after uh, Pharaoh's drinks. So anytime Pharaoh probably thought like, man, maybe something's in this drink. I don't really know. People are kind of looking sketchy around here. He would have his chief cupbearer take a sip of the drink. And if the chief cupbearer got sick or died, he knew that the drink was poisoned. What a job, right? What a job. I don't know if I want that job. Actually, I wouldn't. But if, not, but if nothing happened to him, the Pharaoh knew that he could drink that drink. Now, the same thing applies to the chief baker, the one that was stewarding Pharaoh's food. If Pharaoh thought that anything was going on with the food, he would have the chief baker take a bite of the food first just to see what would happen. And if nothing happened, then he knew that he could eat the food. But they did something. I don't know what they did. The text don't tell us what they did, but they did something to displease Pharaoh because Pharaoh sent them to prison. So then they go to sleep and their slumber and their jail cell, probably cold, and they have a dream. Remember I told you at this time, God really spoke to his people through dreams. But they woke up probably in deep sweat, not knowing what to do because they did not know how to interpret their dream. So they were in so much distress. And this is what we pick up here in Genesis 40. And Joseph comes and, and, and I guess he probably checks on them. He goes, when Joseph came to them the next morning, he saw that they were dejected. So he asked Pharaoh's officials who were in custody with him in his master's house, why do you look so sad today? We both had dreams, they answered, but there is no one to interpret them. Then Joseph says to them, do not interpretation belong to God? Tell me your dreams. And so the chief cupbearer goes first and he was like, listen, I got it, here's my dream. Joseph then interprets his dream and then he tells him, hey, in three days, you're gonna get out of this prison. Pharaoh's gonna release you and then you're going to be able to go back in the position that you once had as chief cupbearer. And so if you can just imagine, the chief cupbearer was super excited, like, ooh, like, Three more sleeps <laughs> and then I'm out of here, okay? Three more sleeps, you don't have to tell me nothing else and then I am gone. That's all he was thinking. You know how it is when you were younger waiting on Christmas, you were like, oh my gosh, three more days until Christmas. Or when you care so much about your birthday and you want everybody to celebrate, like, oh my gosh, my birthday's in three days. Isaiah, happy birthday. Uh, but like you are so like excited about that. That's how the chief cupbearer uh, felt. But it didn't stop there. Joseph goes on to say this. He says, but when all goes well with you, remember me and show me kindness. Mention me to Pharaoh and get me out of this prison. I was forcefully carried off from this land of the Hebrews. And even here, I have done nothing to, des to deserve being put in this dungeon. And so Joseph is pleading his case to the chief cupbearer because he's gonna be hopefully the next thing that's gonna be able to get him out of this place that he don't even deserve to be in. 
And so as you can tell, he, he pleads his case. And then you're probably thinking in your mind's eye, well, what was the chief baker's dream? And so here it goes. The chief baker was waiting like, okay, y'all get through what y'all need to get through. I need y'all to interpret my dream. So then he tells Joseph his dream. And Joseph tells him, well, in three days, Pharaoh's also going to release you from this prison, but then he's going to execute you. Execute? I might as well stay in jail. That's, how, that's what I would think. But because the jail is under the palace, you really, it's a lose-lose situation. And so you can just imagine how intense that situation is. You have the chief cupbearer on one side, uh, Joseph in the middle, and then the chief baker on the other side, and they both have two different dreams, two different outcomes that are about to happen. And so the third day comes, and I think we're about to end on our scripture, and it says this. Now the third day was Pharaoh's birthday. He gave a feast for all of his officials. He lifted up the heads of the chief cupbearer and the chief baker. In the presence of his officials, he restored the chief cupbearer to his position so that he once again put the cup into Pharaoh's hand, but he impaled the chief baker, just as Joseph had said to them in his interpretation. The chief cupbearer, however, did not remember Joseph. He forgot him. Listen, y'all, he didn't just forget Joseph, he forgot him. He got out in his three days and he wasn't thinking about anything or anybody but himself and his position. And just to give you a little sneak peek on what we're gonna be talking about next week is we find out that Joseph stays in prison for two more years. Two more years in prison for something that he did not do. An innocent man stuck in a prison cell. Just, oh my gosh, I feel so bad for him. This was a long time ago. An innocent person in jail for two more years for something he didn't do is just unfair. And as I've been processing and reading and going through this, I just realized something about Joseph. Joseph found himself in a season of waiting. Joseph found himself not only in a season of waiting, but in seasons of waiting. He went from the pit to, into slavery and to Mr. Potiphar's house as being one of the head attendants and to jail and having to sit there for two years. The dream that God had given him hadn't even come to pass yet. And as I look over in the room, I can't see every single one of your faces, but I know that there are many of you that are in waiting. And there's many of you that are like, oh, I'm not necessarily in waiting yet, but I'm gonna say, well, pump your brakes, brothers and sisters, because you're gonna get there one day. Because wait, the waiting season doesn't miss anybody. All of us experience some sort of waiting in our lifetime. But if we can just be honest for maybe two seconds or so, we haven't really been taught how to wait well. We, we're just too anxious, we're impatient. We don't really know how to wait well. And you know, fair enough. There's a lot of great things that, that we have built with technology that we can just get everything super fast. I mean, let's talk about it for a moment. Amazon Prime, you can think it, you can have it. In 48 hours, it'll be right there at your doorstep, picture sent to your email, and you have your package, Amazon Prime. And sometimes if it's fully in stock, you can get it in what, 24 hours at your doorstep without ever having to leave your home. 
What about grocery shopping? Anybody like to shop? I mean, Walmart is probably the worst place to shop because they only have one line open and it's like a million people in the line. But anyway, they have this thing called Instacart where you can download the app to the grocery store, put all your groceries in there, purchase them, pick a time to come pick it up, pull your car into the spot, toot, toot, beep, beep, text them, let them know you arrived, and then a grocery store clerk is gonna come and fill your car and load your car with all of your groceries without you ever having to take step in to the grocery store. When you go to amusement parks, I mean, I'm from California, so I always used to go to Disneyland. They had this thing called Fast Pass. I don't know if that's still a thing, but where you don't have to wait in the long line, you just pay a little bit more money and you can cut the line and go into the shorter line to get on all the rides faster and quicker. Isn't that wild that we don't really have to wait for much? Most of y'all probably don't even remember this, but when I was a kid, I know y'all probably think that I still look like a kid. I'm not 18, y'all. I'm 29. Um, but I, when I was a kid, there was this thing called Blockbusters where we had to go rent. Y'all know about that? Oh, my bad. Um, so we used to have to, y'all know about it, we used, to have to rent, we used to have to rent movies to go see them, right? To bring them home to see them. But listen, if that movie wasn't on that shelf in Blockbuster, you had to wait till someone return it in order to watch it, right? But now we got Netflix, Hulu, Amazon Prime, whatever movie we want to watch, we probably can see it in 3.5 seconds. We're not taught how to wait well. And many of you are in a season of waiting. You cannot wait until you graduate. You cannot wait until you can go off and, and make more money because working and waiting tables, just not doing it for you when people don't even leave no tip. You know, working at, you know, Chick-fil-A and Starbucks, it was cool. You love your bosses, you love your coworkers, but it's like you're just done with it. So you kind of just drag your feet when it's time to go in. When it's time to clock in, you wait in the car until you got like one more minute on, before, the, before it's your time to work and you hurry up and clock in because you're just done with it. Some of you are, are, are waiting to, to, to just have a friend, someone that can just be honest. And with you and kind of just go through all the different seasons of life. Some of you are waiting to be done with singleness. That you, this wasn't in my message, but I'm just going to say it, that you will be willing to date somebody right now that you know that is not for you just because you do not want to wait for the right one or you don't even want to work to be the right one. But you're so, you know, you're so tired of being in the waiting of singleness. You're so tired of being the third wheel with your friends. I get it. I'm not up here to try to tell you that waiting doesn't suck. It, it's hard. It, it could leave us agitated, aggravated, mad, sad, all the different emotions. But the reality and the question that I want to ask you that I really want you to think about right now is this. What do you do when you find yourself in a season of waiting? Really think about that just for a moment. What do you do when you find yourself in the season of waiting? Do you just hurry up and try to call somebody to try to pass the time by? Do you try to fill it up with things that you probably know you shouldn't fill it with just to kind of try to pass time by or fill the voids that are within you? What do you do when you find yourself in the season of waiting? This next thing that I'm gonna share with y'all, I wish I found and, and had and really paid attention to it and, and acted out on it. Um, a lot faster, and that's this right here. 
Be faithful where God has you. I know you're tired of going to school. And those of you who are not going to school, who are in the in-between, it's just like school is not for you, but work isn't for you either. So you're living with your parents trying to figure it out. How does it look to be faithful where God has you? For the people in the room who consider yourself Christians, being faithful for where God has you is just giving everything that you have right now, everything that you got. Not showing up half, you know, bleep. Not showing up just, you know, just doing things just so-so because you're tired of waiting. But giving it everything you have, just being faithful with what God has given you in this time. And for those of you who, who are not a believer at this moment or who is struggling or who are on the fence because maybe you have a lot of questions or maybe your life has been in an uproar and you're just like, man, is there even a really good, good God out there? I just don't know. I show up for the food because that's good enough. I'm a college student. I'm trying to figure this thing out. That's okay too. But I would challenge you to really try to get into God's word for yourself. A lot of times we, we judge Christians based on how they live and when they fall, we're like, oh, I can't serve the God you serve because you know, you're a hypocrite. But I will really challenge you and everybody, whether you, you, you're a Christian or you, you don't consider yourself a Christian to really fall in love with God's word because I think you would then be able to learn how to be faithful where God has you. And you're probably thinking, what is a practical thing I can do, Crystal, to, to fulfill this? And that's this right here. Worship and work in the waiting. Worship and work in the waiting. And what I mean by worship is I don't mean raising your hands, lifting your hands, singing a song. No, that's good and that is a form of worship, but worship with your life, devoting your whole being to the God, the creator of who you are, giving over everything that you have to him and saying, I may not know what I'm doing with my life, but God, I'm a trust that you have a plan for me still. Worship with your life. I know a lot of us have lists and plans of things we want to do, things we want to accomplish, but have we ever decided to give over that list to God and say, God, here's my list. This is what I wanna accomplish. This is what I wanna do. This is what I see in my life, but I'm gonna be open-handed with you. What do you have for me? I'm okay if you're gonna change my path, if you're gonna show me which way I should go, if you're gonna teach me which way I should walk and how I should talk, I'm gonna be open-handed with what you might have for me because what you might have for me might be way better than what I might have for myself. So that's what worship would look like. And for waiting, or and for, and for work, it's working with your hands. If you're waiting tables, do it to the best of your ability. If only your job is to go to school and your parents are paying for everything, do it to the best of your ability. If you are, are, are taking care of your guardians or your family because of COVID and this whole situation has happened, do it to the best of your ability. No matter what you might be facing, work with your hands. Give it all that you have. But also work on you. A lot of us have these really good pointy fingers where we can see everybody else and what everybody else needs to work on and what everybody else needs to do. But I think we need to change these pointy fingers and turn them inward and figure out what we need to work on, what awareness we need to grow, where areas where we, need, where we might fall short that we might need some help improving. We need to work on ourselves. A lot of us, we want a relationship, but are we relationship material? 
A lot of us want really great friends who are loyal, but are we loyal? A lot of us want a lot more money that's gonna, with a job that's gonna pay, like uh, have benefits, money, all this other stuff so you could travel the world, but would you steward that well? So work on you, figure out what's inside of you that you can work on so that you can be better. And that's what working looks like. And the bottom line is this for tonight. In the waiting, know that God is working. And I know that this may sound crazy and you're probably like, I don't know, I don't believe that. You know, uh, I don't see that, I don't feel that, I don't hear that, it's not in my dream, so maybe God's not talking to me. Or also like, I just don't believe it. But you don't have to believe something. Like you don't have to believe in this whole statement and you think that you are big enough and bad enough to stop what God is doing. Can I tell you a little secret? God's still gonna be working. You don't believe it, it's okay. God is still gonna be working on the behalf of you. Why? Because he cares about you. You know what? It took me forever. I mean, I just, it took me forever to understand this and I still sometimes am in disbelief. This, um, a lot of places where a lot of us maybe are at right now is 2020. 2020 was supposed to be our year, y'all. It was supposed to be everything. We were supposed to travel. We were supposed to hang out with friends. We were supposed to go to beaches. We were supposed to just have the time of our life. It was a new decade. But then we get here, we get COVID. We gotta wear masks. We gotta figure out how to create a new norm. We have to social distance. We losing family members and friends due to COVID. Family members are dying and funerals we can't attend because of social distancing. We have, we have political unrest. We have so much division in our world and we're trying to figure out in our little bitty spaces, in our little bitty spheres of influence, how can we be unified? How can we come together? How can we be one? And we somehow think that in January, 2021, that something's gonna change, that because it's a new year, that all of this is gonna be put behind us because we are not taught how to wait. But even with all of this going on, we will be doing ourselves a disservice if we try to bypass this situation and all the things that we're all going through individually as well as collectively. If we just try to bypass it and scurry by it and not really learn what we need to learn in this season, we might just miss what God has for us. And another peek into what we're gonna talk about next week, Joseph, he, he, he got to the palace. He ended up getting out of jail, get going to the palace. So his dream actually comes to fruition. But you know, on the journey to the palace, he had to go to the pit and he had to go to the prison. And I'm not saying that many of you are gonna hit the pit or prison, but y'all gonna hit obstacles. Y'all gonna hit challenges that you're gonna be thinking like, man, that knocked the wind out of me. I have no idea how I am still standing. Some of y'all feel that right now. And I'm up here, I feel that right now. Because let me tell y'all, can I be really honest? You gotta tell me yeah though. Yeah. All right, I didn't wanna come here tonight. I didn't wanna speak on stage tonight. Not because I don't love y'all, not because I don't love my job, not because I don't love TLR, but I have a ton of stuff going on in my house. Y'all know Hurricane Zeta? She came and she did her thing. Real, real, real bad. A tree fell on my house on the side of my husband and I's master bedroom and it just missed us by just a little bit. And it wrecked our whole house. 
my husband, my son, my sister, we're all okay, but we didn't know that in the moment. I literally thought that I was possibly losing my son. It was glass shattered everywhere. Uh, it, our house rumbled and shook. The foundation is probably all messed up. But listen, I have to wait. I have to wait on roofers. I have to wait on people to come and fix the construction in our bathrooms. There's bathrooms I can't use. There's water that don't work. There's so much that I'm like, I just, this is just not the week. This is not the week for me. And I'm speaking and I had to do this. I said yes to speaking to this three months ago. And then this week comes. And then Tuesday, yesterday, I wake up and I'm like, oh, you know, I'm gonna have so much time to like prep my message. It's gonna just be amazing. I wake up and guess what? My 17 month old has a cold, runny nose and cough. I can't send him to school. So me and my husband have to, my husband and I have to figure out our time and schedule of how to take care of him. And I'm like, I got a message tomorrow. I got a message to do. I don't know how I'm gonna do it. And I'm pleading my case to God. And he's like, wait a minute. Did you forget the bottom line? In the waiting, God is working. In the waiting, I am working. And that is the very thing that got me here tonight, y'all. I have to just tell y'all that if this message isn't for anybody in this room tonight, it was for me. <laughs> you know, it was for me. I am up here to have to speak this to myself, to encourage myself, but it's not just a round of applause for me. It's an encouragement to you that no matter where you might find yourself, even on this evening or when you leave this place or tomorrow or next week, that in the waiting God is working. He ain't forgot about you and it may feel like it, it may look like it, you may not know what to do or where to turn, but I promise you, our God is so much bigger than our situation. Our God is so much bigger than our problems. Our God is so much bigger than the things we face internally and externally and in our mind. And there is this enemy who roams around, not just the earth, but you know where he roams? In our mind, that tells you you can't do it, that tells you you can't finish, that tells you you can't make it, that tells you to give up or that tells you to take your life or that tells you you're no good and there is no God so there is no need for you to believe. There is something in our mind that tells us and that works against everything good that we're trying to do and I want to let you know that that even applies to me. That I had to show up tonight because I had to tell the enemy who's in charge because it wasn't him. I had to let the enemy know who God is in my life and I had to speak that thing to me until it became true. And that's how I know because I'm up here on this stage, I know that God is working and I know that he's not just working in my life and I know that he's working in each and every one of your lives, but you have to believe it for yourself. So if y'all can just say with me before we pray tonight on the count of three, this in the waiting, God is working. One, two, three. In the waiting, God is working. 